360 Biz on cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. You hang with your boy Bulelani on the 360 Biz show. And I mean, today we've got amazing guests. Um, Dabuk is not in today, so we're gonna be, I'm gonna be flying solo, but I've got beautiful and amazing people in studio while handsome is the gentleman, nothing implied in the way I said it. But I mean, today we're talking, <laughs> today we're talking about HR and legal for SMMEs. And I mean, it's one of the things that a lot of SMMEs struggle with. I know that for the first eight years of business, I didn't have any staff contracts and there were no staff contracts. There were no proper inductions for any of my employees or any other such thing. Because whenever I thought of contracts, I thought legal. Whenever I thought of legal, I thought a lot of money. So as a result, I mean, we have never been taken to CCMA before, but I mean, you know, we then outsourced the stuff to a company that said, you know what? Don't charge, don't pay us a lump sum. You can't afford it. But you will break the payments up and work with us and all this stuff and we'll get your HR legal in order. So we've been doing quite a few of that. But I mean, when they were explaining to me what some of the things that were that had that, sorry, some of the things that have to do with HR are quite broad. I mean, it focuses on a host of different things. And I mean, to be running a business and going out to do sales and marketing, HR, those are some of the things that we haven't even signed up for. All we signed up for was really to just to get the product and sell the product out there. But I mean, it's important because I mean, if you get into a legal scuffle, compensation fund or whatever the case is for your staff or any of those things, then you're going to be caught in the red tape and you might even need to shut your business. So this is what today's show is all about. We're talking about HR for your business from a holistic perspective. So I've got two amazing people in studio today. I'm going to give this opportunity to for you to just introduce yourself for you to just um, introduce yourself to the guest tell us who you are where you're from and what you do my name is alex and i'm from a non-profit organization called harambi um we are a youth employment accelerator and we're currently working with smes to try and place unemployed youth into um jobs so we we are fully um, capable in helping SMEs to um, find youth and put them into jobs and also assist them in terms of um, the practicalities around hiring youth. Oh, okay. Well, sir? My name is Paul Rothman. I'm a national manager at Caesar Skills Training. So CISA is South Africa's largest employer's company, and essentially what we do is we assist the small business owners with most of the legal needs, whether it be labor-related, typical your IR matters, uh, BE compliance, consumer protection, and also skills training. So it's a variety of services focused on helping the business owner, you know, face these challenges as a result of legislation. And in my part-time, once in a while, I appear on a SABC2 Pasella as a presenter. So I have, oh, a, wow. have a bit of a double life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And then what would your Twitter handle be? We're going to be tweeting you guys. Um, the guys in the background are going to be tweeting, and I need to get yours as well, sir. Paul Rothman one. And of course, you can use a hashtag CISA. <laughs> Punting. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yours? At Hadi Owl and hashtag Harambi. Thank you. To those who are out there listening to us, who'll be listening to the podcast a little bit later on, go check us out on the website, cliffcentral.com. You could call in 0861 0861 or preferably Twitter at cliffcentral.com. Facebook Cliff Central, WeChat ID Cliff Central. So, I mean, this is a very serious conversation and it's a very serious topic for me because seriously, it's only last year that I got these guys on board to do my legal. Luckily, I have not 
um, gotten into any legal scuffle. You've with... been very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I could think of so many different um, scenarios where I fired people on emotions or whatever the case is. I think to start off, we have to say that in today's world, to be an entrepreneur and to start your own business, you really need to have nerves of steel. I mean, it's only the courageous that are now the entrepreneurs of the world. You know, you go into business and you think, right, I've got either this product or this service, get it out there, make money. And all of a sudden you're confronted with all these pieces of legislation, all these procedures you have to comply with. And all of a sudden the, the luster of starting your own business starts to diminish. You really need to have support in whatever form to be compliant. So yeah, it is, it's not easy to start your business. And You've been very lucky if over the past eight years, given the fact that you've had a few of those emotional dismissals, that you've not ended up at a CCMA. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're not compliant, either with procedure or with substance, in other words, either you've not okay. followed the right procedures, and this is very important, it becomes a bit more complex. So I won't <laughs> probably bind myself to everything on, on the station now, but if you do not follow the right steps, and thereafter you also don't have the right reasons, those are the two legs of fairness. And you end up going to the CCMA as an employer, you will lose the case. And then you face a possible award of up to 12 months. So basically, if you have an employee, let's say they earn approximately 10K a month, make a nice round figure. If you dismiss them and they go to the CCMA and they win that case, you stand the chance of getting an award made against you of up to 120,000 Rand. If it's an automatically unfair dismissal, up to 24 months, that's 240,000 Rand for certain circumstances. So the, the risks, are very real. What? But I mean, you touched on something there. Just elaborate to the listeners out there. You, you spoke about process and systems. What's Correct. the variation? What's the difference between the two? Okay. Essentially, when you talk about the procedures, those are all the steps you have to follow. In other words, they're, that's all called the red tape. Now, a lot of people become very despondent when you talk about red tape. I mean, it seems a bit pointless. But the fact is the red tape helps you to ensure that you do actually have the right evidence there as well. The long and short of it is you cannot dismiss somebody on disciplinary grounds if you do not have a disciplinary hearing. Yes, some people will say there's this exclusion, that exclusion. The long and the short of it is you do not fire somebody if there was no disciplinary hearing. That's the number one principle for the procedure. When it gets to the substance, that's where it becomes more complicated. There you have to follow the right or have the right reasons and have all the uh, the motivation for it, have the evidence present. So that is where it becomes a bit more complicated. But we always say if either one of those two legs, either procedure or substance, are not present, you are going to burn at the CCMA. Hmm. So, I mean, that puts us in a very precarious situation. That means that when you're an entrepreneur in South Africa, it's literally very hard yes, to so fire an individual. So, I mean, how yeah. would, how does your you know, organization come into the ballpark when we with this particular topic because i would think that if you guys are helping youngsters from all over get employment mm -hmm. how do you make these youngsters employable <laughs> good question um harambe initially started um five years ago and the premise of um working with the youth essentially was around understanding tra transitioning youth into an employment space meant that they needed to get some kind of bridging um, and understanding about the workplace before they actually went into the workplace. So Harambi does actually offer what we call a bridge into the workplace, um, which we try and help youngsters understand the 
a simulated workplace so that when they get there, they understand how to behave and some of the unwritten rules around professionalism. Um, 18 months ago, we realized that there was a huge need in the SME market and working in a corporate versus an SME is completely different. Um, you have a support structure in a, in a corporate. You have a manager you can ask questions to or a peer you can ask questions to. And I'm sure you being an entrepreneur, you know that when you've hired your first couple of people, you were it. You were actually their yeah. support. And yeah. nine times out of ten, people don't want to ask any questions. They don't want to ask for help. So we recognized over the last 18 months that working with SMEs, um, enabling youth to become a little bit more self-driven, um, to even use resources like Google to start finding um, answers on how to do things, etc., would also alleviate some of the pressures that some of the entrepreneurs actually feel when they work with, with the youth. In addition to that, we've also done some research around what will make um, a young person stay in a, a small business and also to promote to a young person that there's huge opportunities in a small business. So finding that kind of partnership between the entrepreneur and the youth is actually really, really important to yeah. try and allow some level of retention and understanding. Because I think right in the beginning, we realized just placing a youth into a small business um, and expecting them to figure out that they today they needed to check the employer's diary and see what was happening tomorrow without being told that mm, created mm, a few mm. unexpected issues along the line. And the expectation of the entrepreneur is this person's not being, I'm not showing initiative. They're not being proactive. Um, just like we've just heard, ha not having a job description, not having a employment contract, all sorts of things start happening. So the, the, the HR element then becomes really, really important. We then also developed an HR toolkit, which also then helps entrepreneurs put some basic policies in place that is um, also customizable so that they can avoid some of the issues. Now, one of the questions that comes to mind is having rolled out this program, how many people, how many youngsters have you guys um, rather placed into companies? Do you charge for this service? Um, to date, we've, we've actually placed 26,000 youth into employment over the last five years um, and in terms of um, SMEs we've worked across the board last year we placed about a thousand youth into um, SMEs so across we're talking corporate and SMEs in terms mm, of the 26,000 mm. in addition to that we've also helped candidates because it's not just about putting them into jobs we've helped them become um, create tools to actually find employment on their own Oh, wow. So we've also enabled youth to go and find jobs on their own. So I mean the kind of I mean the the kind of guys that you the, the the that your company would or rather your organization would be placing out there is it professionals is it guys who are fresh from school no varsity no matric no. Um, Harambi works with candidates that are between the ages of eighteen and thirty five, so in the youth spectrum they have to have a matric, um, and the criteria is that they have to be unemployed for at least six months to a year. So a lot of the candidates we work with have very little to no work experience, and it's what we label as first-time work seekers. So no, they're not professionals. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're trying to create opportunities for first-time work seekers that are unemployed, and the, the formal word about it is that they're locked out of the formal economy. They don't have opportunities to actually find jobs. So every touch point we have with the candidate, we try and teach them on how to either go for an interview um, so that they don't, they're not just reliant on Harambee to place them into a job. But I'm glad actually she's hmm. referring to the fact that, you know, teaching and development is a critical because 
I spoke now about the almost the negative side, the yeah, labor law yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. She's focusing on the development side, and I think that's actually why HR is so important because the HR person in the company ultimately is the touching point for both these aspects. If you take the proverbial story of the the donkey, mm. carrots and the sticks, then the HR person needs to use both carrots and sticks, depending on the requirements of the company and, of course, of the individual. So typically your sticks would be your labor, uh, resor- when you resort to your labor mechanisms. So your d- progressive discipline, your warnings, your disciplinary hearings, those would be <laughs> the sticks to just drive the donkey that's not listening in the right direction. <laughs> but by the same token, oftentimes more effective is to have the carrots, whether it be uh, incentives or uh, job opportunities or these developmental programs, training courses, uh, learnerships that you offer to your employees. These are actually the true, the uh, two drawing cards or the two instruments you use to get the best results from your employees. But understanding how to use which one at the right time, that is where the challenge comes in. In fact, oftentimes during labor law matters, I said this is probably a matter that could have been more effectively resolved with effective management principles. And many times with management issues, we say, well, this would probably be a matter that could easily be resolved using labor law principles. Mm. So driving your business really is a matter of finding the balance or the equilibrium, moving between these two extremes and guiding your staff towards the results that you that you seek. Interesting. And I mean, on that particular notion, I mean, how many how many of the youngsters that you place into companies defect? <laughs> is this a process that you guys monitor? We do monitor it. I don't actually have the figures. It's very, very low, though. Okay. I think purely because we do take that opportunity to try and transition them into the workplace. Um, obviously, you're going to have the, the one candidate that either absconds or makes what we call they're not winning choices. Okay. We try and educate um, candidates around making winning choices and um, – allowing them to actually understand that there are consequences for some of the actions that they take. So as much as um, what we're talking about in terms of the positives and the negatives, it's about a partnership with an employer or an, uh, especially a small business owner to mm. understand what the negotiables and the non-negotiables are. Mm, mm. And I think the key thing to come back to what we're talking about as far as systems is to make sure that there are um, expectations that are laid out from from the employer itself for that candidate to really understand um, what they can and they can't do. And nine times out of ten, as far as an SME is concerned, my my job or the way that we've worked with SMEs is to, to ensure that they understand what they're employing that person for. Mm, that diagnostic mm, is so important mm, mm. or that job description is so important so that already that candidate really understands what what some of the, the ground rules are. And I'm sure you would support mm. in that. But it's interesting the, the way you ask the question, you know, how many people have defected? Because that is actually a problem of concern for many employers. <laughs> <laughs> you go, you train somebody, you incur all those expenses, and then they simply leave and go and work exactly. elsewhere. But, you yes. know, I think it was Richard Branson who said, you know, people complain. They say, but what if I train them and they leave? And you can say, well, what if you train them or you don't train them and they stay? So <laughs> that's the other side of the coin. But I think the fact of the matter is, you know, the world of HR and all the legislation goes with it. It is, it is a minefield. And for a small business owner to try and run a business while simultaneously deal with all these little procedures and comply with every small aspect of the act, it, it becomes almost an impossible challenge. And that's ironically where CISA started. We focused on the small business owner. We said, you know what, instead of paying these vast amounts of money to either a permanent HR person or a permanent lawyer, rather than join, you get access at a monthly fee to all your legal services. And then you have a pool of people, a pool of professionals that you can access at any time. So that is 
why we have lawyers available to cover the various facets. Because the scary thing is, you might be a specialist in one arm of the law today. In a mere two, three weeks, <laughs> you don't know what new regulations have been uh, promulgated. And now have to comply with that. It's extremely difficult for a business person to focus on making a profit and simultaneously be on the up and up with the newest legislation. That's true. You do need help in, the, That's in today's true. world. So it's just a matter of getting the best service at the best price. That is true. And I mean, you know, I was reading, I think it was a conversation I was having a while back or I was reading, I don't remember, that I think there's one, I think in the U.S., their labor laws are not, are not as stringent Correct. as they are in South Africa. That this guy was telling me, or this lady was telling me, that one of the companies that side, what they would do is that at the end of the year or at the end of the financial year, they chop off the better, the, the bottom five percent that is lower performing, That's and then they intake people that are of high value and that are highly performing. That's and right. I mean, look, this is an argument that can go both ways. Um, South Africa has very strict labor laws, but also in line with the ILO, the International Labor Organization. It has been said that if you lighten the labor laws, <laughs> yes, you'll definitely inject fuel into the economy and to the, into the entrepreneurs. Australia had an interesting case a while back. They had a work choices uh, piece of legislation and it came down to it that employers with uh, less than 100 employees could not be dismissed unfairly or they could not be taken to the tribunal for an unfair dismissal. During the time when that new legislation was there, which placed less burden on the employer, their economy skyrocketed. So that was an example of where hmm. less labor laws can actually enhance the economy, but also only on the short term, because then there was a huge reaction to it, and it evened out again. But it can be said that, yes, the burdens related to labor laws on employers or on entrepreneurs definitely does affect the economy. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, well, you know, sitting on this side, the, this topic of having proper systems and rather proper HR systems and processes. And as you were speaking about a little bit earlier on, having a proper requirement, no, no, not a requirement, but rather a recruitment um, process and rather a work procedure and what the person will be doing is very important for any business. And I think at this particular point with these kind of labor laws that we have each and every entrepreneur would have to be upskilled but i mean is there any form of training that you guys offer to entrepreneurs or yes or? well CISA actually has four main branches the labor law i've mentioned now we advise clients on be on the consumer protection also we've got a large skills development um, side where we provide numbers of training courses especially also in labor law initiated training basic conditions of employment act and then a whole variety of um, training that is relevant to the working environment, business-related training. And that includes things like, which you probably forget about, first aid, your first aid training, your firefighting training, your occupational health and safety training. So we really do try and assist the employer by offering all these various forms of training to the employer themselves and their employees to make sure that they are compliant with relevant legislation. Now, here's the thing. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking to myself, when you guys are placing, what, what are some of the conditions that, are there any conditions that you pose to these SMMEs? Um, yes, we do pose some conditions. Number one, they need to have, um, an environment that is suitable for the, for the person to work in. Um, and obviously we start with the diagnostic. We need to understand what that person, um, or what, what the candidate needs to do. 
Um, in addition to that, you asked me about the fees that we charged earlier. We do have highly um, subsidized fees where um, we're, not, we're not a recruitment agent. We're obviously a nonprofit organization, and we want to work with entrepreneurs. So we charge between 750 rand and um, 1,500 rand per candidate, depending on the type of job or um, the job family that they actually fit into. And then we also make sure that um, there's certain um, support structures in place. So we found that through our research, there's certain retention values that come through actually a an employer providing some form of a contract or an outline of what that candidate needs to do. Um, and nine times out of ten, we do get candidates phoning us saying, we haven't had our contract yet, we don't know how to, to deal with the situation. So we do try and make sure that when we actually deal with SMEs and employers, that there's certain factors in place that actually put some kind of structure in place so that yeah. there is also a retention or a focus on retention. Okay. And then, I mean, the people that you're placing, are you placing them um, for permanent position only or temporary or internship? Um, the wonderful thing is that we also have workplace experience opportunities because some, um, what we've also found is some entrepreneurs and employers want to or have the availability for someone coming in as an intern for three or four or six months. And then we also have permanent opportunities for, for the candidate. So, yes, both. And then, I mean, what, what is your scope? Is it Soweto, Alexander, Randberg? I mean, how far wide do you guys stretch and how far wide do you guys go? What's we're, your footprint? We're actually nationwide. We, um, most of the Gauteng, we have an office in Joburg um, City Centre and we have an office in Pretoria, um, Durban, Cape Town and Port Elizabeth. Oh, interesting. Now back to you, sir. It's an interesting topic that we're having here. But now, how do I, as an SMME, I'm focused on sales, yeah. marketing, and focused on running my business. I can have the policies or documents in place, mm. but how do I manage this process? I think for now, <laughs> because it sounds like you've been very lucky <laughs> thus far. I think the most important tip to an entrepreneur when it comes firstly to the labor law side, and especially with disciplinary hearings, because I, if I have to look at our company, I would say 80% of our services to you know, entrepreneurs are disciplinary hearings. So usually entrepreneurs, business owners struggle with employees that are simply not measuring up, they are not performing the way they should, or they're making themselves guilty of misconduct. The most important element for an employer then is to have in place their progressive discipline. That's quite or quite simply means if a person makes themselves guilty of misconduct, issue a warning accordingly, according to your disciplinary code, and do it for the, even the slightest transgression. Because what we typically see is an employer has an employee. The first time the employee does something wrong, the employer gets upset, gives him a big scolding, and walks away. There's nothing on record. Two weeks later, the same thing happens. Now the employer is starting to lose. <laughs> They're cool. The third time it happens, they completely you know, lose it, and they tell the person to take the stuff and leave. So it basically becomes unfair dismissal. Whilst, if that's simply from the beginning, issued that first warning, if it, well, depending on the code, whether it's a verbal warning or a written warning, then progressively, if it's within the correct time period, issued a second warning. By the time that third transgression takes place, if the person was in the final written warning, you simply have your hearing, you submit the proof just for that one incident, and that person can be lawfully dismissed. Then you can go, if you are then summoned to the CCMA, you can go there with a, with a <laughs> more relaxed heart. Yeah. You'll never yeah. go to get entirely relaxed, make no mistake. But then you know your paperwork is in order. So the, that is probably the best advice I can give. Don't hold back. Follow the steps and have your paperwork in place. Then it's very simple to get rid of a problem. But 
if you lose it <laughs> in the end yeah. and you make an emotional decision, you will most likely end up going to the CCMA. And even if the person perhaps stole from you or really did something wrong, you still end up paying that person an award. So it's, that's probably one of the best tips I can give in terms of your misconduct. Use your system of progressive discipline, which ultimately is a paper trail. And you know what the funny thing is? <laughs> I'm a victim of Scaltham now. Yeah. Don't do the paperwork. Mm. Because, I mean, paperwork is a drag. Paperwork is. is a drag. Is there any way we could make this whole warning and all these things easier and better? Ironically, now we are developing a system which is entirely an online system with oh, wow. automatic reminders, which it's called the CISA profile, which is exactly that. This is a system where you just log on your employees and it basically guides you. So, for instance, what typically goes wrong, you would have issued Mr. X a written warning for this transgression. He then makes the same mistake or he transgresses again. But you forgot that you had already issued this warning. This issue is on his, oh, this uh, transgression mm. is on his file. Mm. So now you go and issue a different warning, but sort of for the same thing. And now you mess up your whole system. With this profile system, it's all automated. You are made aware of it immediately. It reminds you this would be the next step. It gives you a warning whether there's a time when it will elapse. So there are systems being developed. I think you have to, you know, be in touch with technological developments nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But worst case scenario, revert back to an old file system. And before you do anything, take out the employee's file and see what you have a record of. It will make life so much easier for you. Some simply wording your um, warning correctly. Ease is your later burden of proof. So you don't use different terminology, you don't use different charges for the same transgression. And that way you can get rid of a problematic employee much easier. So I think that the one of the most important things is to have a file for and start every by having employee. a file. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. to interject on what you were just saying, and I know working with a number of different sizes of organizations and especially small ones, I know that there are also some apps or performance management apps that you can also investigate. Um, there's a retailer that has actually used an online app that allows him to even SMS feedback to his candidates or his employer employees to let them know from a discussion of what they had in terms of performance management, certain areas that they decided to work on together. So I know you spoke about misconduct, but non-performance is also a huge yes. issue. Yeah, um, yeah. And having very frequent feedback meetings is also very important. Mm, mm. Maybe that's a good point to just touch on. Very good point. To, to remind yeah. employers that effectively there are only three ways that you can lawfully dismiss somebody. That is either through your disciplinary hearing, that is typically for misconduct. So a person did something wrong and they were okay. found guilty of it, whether that guilt be intentional or negligence. Okay. It's still guilt and they can be found guilty of and either according to progressive discipline, they were in a final written warning, they transgressed again, you can dismiss them for that. Or even as a first uh, incident, if it is so severe, for instance, gross dishonesty, then you can dis dismiss a person for that. Right, but then you also have two other forms. You have your retrenchments, which essentially is dismissal based on operational reasons. Mm. So then it's not the fault of the employee. The employee did nothing wrong, but circumstances, whether it be you lost the contract of a big client or there's mach new machinery that can do the job of the person, such the re uh, situation changed, and thus you can no longer employ them. So that's the second one. The third one is on, based on incapacity. Now, incapacity can be an ill health incapacity where a person is simply too sick to perform their job according okay. to expectations. 
and also then a general poor work performance. This is the example Alex referred to now, where an employee does not meet the required standard. But this is very important to differentiate now. When you say somebody cannot meet the standards, it's not that they don't want to. They're not doing it as a form of misconduct. They simply cannot reach the standards. And that requires an, a lengthy process. All of these actually require a lengthy process. So it's not, you know, today we have the meeting, it's all over. You have to set those standards. You have to try and help the person reach those standards before being allowed to dismiss them. The important distinguishing factor between these three is your disciplinary hearing is where somebody is found guilty, but your uh, retrenchments and your incapacities, there the employee is not guilty. Technically, they did not do anything wrong. Situation or circumstances simply led to them not being uh, or having to lose their the work. And that's also why there's notice pay involved in those cases as well. Because it's sort of like saying, you know, it, it's sad. It's a pity we're losing you. Here's a bit of a help on the way. But uh, you cannot expect the employer to keep this person in their employee because mm. they cannot perform mm. the, jo- the jobs. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting discussions on 360Biz with your boy Bulelani Balabala. Catch us after the break. Cliffcentral.com. Business leaders around the globe are committing to building a better world for everyone. Cliffcentral.com is joining forces with the Sympathy Sleepout, taking a stand for the plight of the homeless. We invite you to participate with us in the Sympathy Sleepout on the 28th of July, 2016. Join the ranks of leaders of change by using your influence for what truly matters. Sign up now for the Sympathy Sleepout on www.theceosleepoutza.co.za. That's theceosleepoutza.co.za. 360biz on cliffcentral.com. We had a very interesting, we had a very, very interesting conversation, um, just before, <laughs> during the break and just before we went on. As a matter of fact, we might have even missed the call to go back on because, I mean, I'm sitting in studio with these amazing people and we're talking about fantastic things. And I mean, it's an interesting thing that we were just talking about now and how technology has influenced the way that we able to do our business today. And I mean, it's put us in a very, very competitive, um, 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 um very, very competitive, um, situation. We we're talking about apps. Let's just talk a little bit about that. Well, I just mentioned now that I think, uh, a lot of companies, here we are, we started as a, as a legal company and probably most of our investment lately has been in technology, in appointing programmers, and just bringing everything up to date. The fact of the matter is when you do effectively utilize technology, I think with very limited resources, you can generate so much more effect and, and results from it. So that is definitely the way forward. But that being said, we are talking about HR, which is human resources. So never forget the human element amidst all the talk of technology. I oftentimes say, especially for managers with our management training, probably the one course every manager should attend or some degree yeah. they should do should be in psychology. The ability to okay. look at people and understand yeah. them. Because remember now, when you talk about managers, you are dealing with people. And your responsibility is to get the best results from these individuals. But every person does not react in the same way. Mm. You have certain drivers and triggers for this guy. They maybe need more discipline. This person needs more encouragement and every person needs to be almost treated in their own unique way in order to get the best results from them. And that requires a bit of insight and wisdom. And no technology at this point in time is going to overcome that, that challenge. Sure. And I mean, just tell me from that perspective, because I mean, I know that I have those kind of challenges 
because I think sometimes we, we, we become too functionality orientated. If it's not functional, it's defective. It must go. Yeah. But I mean, he's touching on factors where someone could have problems at home and all they need is just someone to encourage or talk to them. Where someone is having, having financial issues, maybe, or whatever the process is. Do, after having placed a candidate at a company X, Y, and Z, would you guys then come in and intervene at any point in time? We wouldn't necessarily come in and intervene, um, but the process beforehand, we run assessments, and we also, as part of those assessments, there there are also psychologists on board that do a psycholo- a psycholo- I can't talk now. <laughs> <laughs> we all mumble jumble. <laughs> happens they, to all of they us. They actually have an interview with them to um, check that there are any social factors, etc. Um, so, f- f- as as a pre-screening um, process, that's actually what we do. Um, but also talking about technology, we've also recognised um, at Harambi that um, technology is very important, and we've now set up a, a website that is dedicated to SMEs, and also looking at down the line um, in the next year or so to create um, reminders through SMS to employers to have you done your contract, have you checked, have you done feedback with them lately so that we also start engaging with SMEs on that, that level to, to try and also prompt them. So yeah. not a sophisticated system like mm. you were talking about, but I think um, the first step is to, to create an SME network that also allows certain tools and, and, and tips that assist SMEs in um, hiring youth and making yeah. sure that they're okay. But going back to your question around psychologists and some of the what we call post-placement support issues, there is there we do actually work with SMEs on occasion around those areas, but then also advise them to speak to firms like CISA or um, the other one that we we're talking about in the break. Well, maybe I'm <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give maybe it to you. <laughs> well, I, I think thus far, you know, I spoke about carrots and sticks, and thus far, I've been positioning us as the the company walking around with the sticks for <laughs> the small SMEs. <laughs> And that is a very important part, and it's very popular with <laughs> many business owners. But I do also want to emphasize the carrots, and yeah. specifically the training aspect with regards to the carrots. At CISO, we offer a number of training courses, and what we found has become very, very important because it's something we developed internally and then started rolling out to clients, is simply your supervisor and management training. You're developing your leaders for tomorrow. If you're a business owner, surely you have dreams of – at some point, going to the beach on holiday, knowing that your company is running smoothly in your absence. Definitely. But how often do you get there? <laughs> <laughs> You're probably still in a situation where you don't want to let go. You want to keep your finger on the pulse of everything happening. If there's a decision that needs to be made, you want to make it. If that's something true. goes wrong, you want to quickly solve it. But that's not yet a business. Then you're technically still a one-man band with just a few instruments. What you need to do, consider is truly developing your staff. Maybe we start by first identifying and recruiting the best individuals and then recruiting them so that you can actually leave your business in their hands. A lot of employers appoint somebody and they expect them to perform in a certain way. Simply do this task the way I tell you to. But if you have the insight to find somebody that really has potential, you develop them, you send them on necessary training courses, and you give them the opportunities to also develop themselves a bit, you'll be amazed with what ideas come to the fore. The g- biggest developments in our company has been as a result of our directors who appointed people with the sole purpose of being creative, hmm. of finding solutions, hmm. because otherwise you are entirely dependent just on yourself. But if you find your people and you start developing your staff, 
so they can contribute to the growth of your company, then you'll find yourself in a place where you can actually go on holiday and relax and let somebody else just take the reins for a while, come back and not have everything in shambles. So it's a very important uh, aspect not to focus purely on the sticks to drive your donkeys in the right direction, but to dangle that carrot and that larger carrot and those opportunities of developing your staff. That is the way you take a small one-man business to a much larger independent system, and that's where you want to be. And I mean, (laughs) just to cut you in there, and I mean… That is the one of the big, that's one of the biggest things that we suffer from as entrepreneurs, which is why we're working, we're working 16 hours a day because of the fact that you don't want to let go because you've got this fear. If you let go, everything is going to be a mess because you are the one doing everything. And I think that transition to, you know, bringing in someone in and upskilling them, I think that's what you're referring right. to that you bring someone in and then you upskill them would lead to development and growth. I think from our side, um, one of the assessments that we do run is a, a learning potential assessment. And, you know, most, most people don't, aren't, they don't usually get the great, greatest marks in metric. But the opportunity is, is that we can also assess and see if they have a specific aptitude towards learning potential. And I think that also creates opportunities for some individuals that may not feel that they have the strengths to come into a small business or an, uh, um, an entrepreneur yeah. and have a meeting and already run off the bat. The main thing is, is that there are a lot of people out there that have the potential to do different types of jobs and have the strengths to do them. And I think that we also need to start opening up our eyes to see that potential yeah. and see where they actually have those strengths. Yeah. And I think that's where we also really work hard at trying to match candidates by using and seeing that learning potential and giving them that opportunity through the partnerships that we have with some of the employers. So it's not just that sticky effect of just put placing someone and hoping that they'll be okay, but also making sure that there is some element and focus on potential and success around that individual, having an exposure to different types of tasks in a job and yeah. that they actually stay for a while um, because, I mean, some of the statistics also are if someone's employed for at least a year, they have an 80% chance of being employed for the rest of their life. Wow. So ensuring that there's some kind of retention around focusing on the training and development um, and not also, I mean, even if you look at some of our BEE kind of requirements, especially around the, the small business um, scorecards, skills development is a huge focus. And that's something mm, that correct. even small businesses can't can't avoid. So I'm sure you can chat more about that. But I think that's what's actually really important is that we've got to look at the potential of people. We've got to match them correctly. And we've got to give them an opportunity to try and see um, whether they are able to do that job. Maybe that's just something to touch on quickly. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs are not aware of it if you pay more than 500,000 rand a year on your salaries or wages you have to then start paying SDL your skills development levy which is 1% of your annual payroll yeah what people don't realize is if you then do training if you provide training for your staff and you have an SDF who then submits your WSP and your ATR which essentially it's the planning for your training and report on the training being done. I can see the confusion. I heard a lot face. of Chinese. <laughs> w. He can talk about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the point. If you then do submit it, you can claim back 20% of that tax you've already paid. So a lot of entrepreneurs are oblivious of all these little um, inroads or instruments that are available to them. And that is, again, why I say do not hesitate. Do rather maybe spend just a bit of extra money and get a professional person to consult because you will end up if you don't, 
spending far more on mistakes and letting opportunities slide. So it's, it's very important to get a professional assistance as well. Interesting. Hey, I never knew that. Oh. I'm not a pet center appeal. You know what? I've, we've been very fortunate to, to encounter entrepreneurs on a daily basis. I mean, that is what I said earlier. CISA started catering for the small business owner. Let's say your panel beater guy with 10 employees. Obviously, now we've grown much larger. We have yeah. employee yeah. Uh, clients with employees up to ranging 3,000, 4,000 employees. But the majority of our clients are still small business owners. Yeah. And they often come for training, and you see them sometimes a bit despondent when they see, okay, hang on, they have to comply with this legislation, with that act. Oh, they still have to pay this tax. And it always makes me think of Aesop's fables, the golden goose, the, the gold, the, sorry, the goose that laid the golden eggs. Yeah. For the simple reason, we all know the story. So the people had this goose, it laid these golden eggs. They became a bit greedy. They started forcing more eggs from this goose. Yeah. Later on, they cut it open and in the process killed it. And I know many entrepreneurs feel that way because make no mistake. The entrepreneurs are the people that generate the gold, the golden eggs. And it sometimes feels as if legislation and taxes come and they start strangling this goose. Oh, and you just have to perform more and more and more. And sometimes it feels as if they're going to cut you open. And my word of advice is to say Aesop's fables dance back to you know pre-early history in the old days of Greece. And the fact is it's still the same. Entrepreneurs have overcome obstacles since those times. They can overcome them now as well. But what you do need <laughs> is to protect yourself a bit. So get a nice big bodyguard for your goose <laughs> in the form of Caesar <laughs> so we can make sure that you are compliant. But the fact of the matter is the entrepreneurial spirit will always or can always overcome these challenges. And that's the important thing, to not lose the focus of why they started the business in the first place. So try and get somebody that can take care of your nitty-gritty issues. Because as an entrepreneur, your job is to see opportunities, to take them, and to make a profit from them. That's what you need to do. And by doing that, you become the very gears that drive the economy of the country. And that is what we try and encourage. Now, when you guys are placing candidates, um, is there a minimum salary? Is, is there a minimum salary that you'd impose upon the company or any other such thing? Um, we did uh, a pilot last year where we had a number of companies come forward and ask for direct um, sales opportunities, so face-to-face -face selling. Um, and through that opportunity, we realized that only commission-based salaries is the one area that we will not work with employers, okay. purely because the retention factor of that is very, very low. And um, the commitment from the candidates is really high, and they don't always see the rewards. So... As such, it's minimum wage as per it's legislated, but ultimately it depends on the type of um, job that they're applying for or what is actually available. Yeah. Um, you know, an administrative position can go between 4,500 Rand up to 10,000 to 17,000 Rand. So it really does depend on the employer um, and what they actually have available to actually pay that individual. Okay. And then again, also work experience also differs depending on um, – the, the level of the job and the requirements and how many months they can get paid over. The one thing, though, you have to consider is that these are unemployed individuals and they don't have money lying around. So some small businesses actually forget the fact that transport costs are important and actually just the general 
living um, costs in terms of having a meal a day, yeah. etc. And when we sit with SMEs, we we ask them to factor that in as far as a basic budget, so that that person is re- rewarded enough to come to work, but they also know that they can actually afford their transport, their food, and sometimes a clothing allowance. Now, when <laughs> do do you categorize? Do you, do do you have guys like designers? Do you have I don't know that kind of stuff. Is it is it just guys fresh from varsity, or are there some that are specialised in a certain thing? We we have various um, types of candidates applying. So we have, and it also we demand driven. So we will rather go and find the jobs that are available, and then place people into the jobs. Um, we have we have graduates. We have candidates that are straight out of matric. We have candidates that have been sitting at home and have a degree. And have been unemployed for two years and haven't done much, but volunteered and have a little bit of temporary workplace experience. So it's generally across the board. And we work in specific job families, administration, retail, hospitality. We now have um, special types of jobs like driving. We have a, um, a manufacturing side that also deal with specific jobs around that area. But in SME specifically, we, we target key jobs around administration Drivers, retail, hospitality. I think I'll be talking to you. I need a, I need an administrator, Excellent. an assistant administrator. <laughs> I'll make sure we my need, team's on it after this. Yeah, we need we need one of those. Uh, we've got an administrator in place, but the workload has become too much. Yeah. So someone who's young and vibrant and eager Perfect. to learn. There, there, the there. You just got, Yay, got <laughs> job done. We're also looking for a graphic designer. Perfect. We can look for you. So no if problem. you can find one. Wow. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> but I mean. Interesting, interesting the stuff that you're talking about. You know, one of the things that we say as entrepreneurs is that, I'm sorry to say this to you guys that are out there, is that South Africans are lazy. <laughs> they don't want to do the work. Instead, get guys from wherever they will do the work at half the amount and show a thousand percent of the dedication. Because I remember I was taken to, no, no, I actually had an issue with labor. There we go. <laughs> I had the issue, I had the issue with labor quite recently, but I was already protected at that point where an individual didn't want, I think he was given a warning for having damaged stuff that he was loading and had to bring back from a supplier where, whereby in this particular situation, he didn't ensure that the ropes were tied. Mm. But I mean, there was a, there was a useless and there was a stupid case and they threw it out. They said, no, it's nonsense. Do you want to still take him back at work? We're like, we didn't fire him. So he can come back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he ended up, he ended up, he ended up, um, resigning and running away because I think that one of the biggest things that we want is productivity. Mm. Cause you know, there's so many hours in a day and you want to get so many, so much out. And I think that's where we want to focus it. So I mean, as we wrap the show up, 30 seconds, inspiration. What would you say to the young person who's listening to this show, looking, yearning and looking for a job? But I mean, just before that, I mean, how do we get a hold of you? Um, for an unemployed candidate or a person looking for a job, they can go to harambi.mobi and register. Um, for an employer that wants to register with us, it's harambibusiness.co.za or smeinfo at harambi.co.za. Numbers? Numbers. Oh, nothing. Everything Phone is number O double one five nine three zero five zero zero. You sir. Okay, from Caesar side, well, we are South Africa's largest employers company. We've got twenty offices countrywide. We cover the nation. More than thirty thousand business owners are part of CISA. So, you know, we've got your back and we can back it up.
I think the last bit of advice is to say we've spoken now about the carrots and the sticks. The entrepreneur needs to use both. But probably the most important tip to the entrepreneur out there is that initial idea you had, that dream or that vision, make sure that it is first and foremost in your mind. Because the way you deal with your carrots and your sticks all at the end of the day must simply help you attain that goal and to realize your vision. And that will help you overcome whatever obstacle there is. Perfect. Your words of inspiration, 30 seconds of inspiration. I would say there are a lot of first-time work seekers out there that just need an opportunity. And we know that our unemployment rates are really high. They're sitting at 49.5%, I think. So if every SME employs one first-time work seeker or unemployed person, we can reduce that, I think, by 6%. I could be wrong. So give a first-time work seeker a chance. <laughs> you, sir? Or was that it? No, well, I think that was Thank a very good very- one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you to all our beautiful listeners. You could catch the podcast later on cliffcentral.com. Thank you very much for your contributions. I really appreciate it. Thank it you. was such an interesting thing. Here's the one gentleman on this side who wants to fire everyone. And here's the one lady. On the- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Guys, enjoy the day. Drive safe if you're out there in traffic. Thank you very much. Bulelani 360 Biz, Cliff Central. Thank you. Thank you. 360 Biz on cliffcentral.com.